taken from Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they, will they train for war any more. Come, O house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Amen. Our second reading is taken from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 13, verses 11 to 14. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissensions and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you. I've come uh, from Quakers Road, and uh, it's been lovely to be there. But it feels this morning in the worship and so on a really special morning. I think there's something uh, I've just been really touched. So thank you to the people who've been leading us and, and moving forward. I almost don't want to preach because it's been so nice. So let's pray. Father, will you be with us as we reflect uh, for a short time together on your word? Will you inspire us and challenge us, uh, but also remind us of your love? In Jesus' name. Amen. The theme this morning is around the theme of waiting, which is one of the Advent uh, themes. And there is more than one kind of waiting. There's passive waiting, rather like uh, the man whose epitaph read something like this. Here lies a man who died before he ever even knew why he was alive. As if he had simply been waiting to die, but never really knowing what the purpose of his life was. But then there is the active waiting a waiting which uh, sees something that is coming, and while you're waiting for it to happen, you get ready for it. And Bishop Mike uh, was speaking yesterday at an event or day for parish officers. And as he often reminds me, he says, we need to live our lives with the end in mind. And I think that's something of what 
Paul is saying in the reading that we had from Romans. And if you like to, if you have a Bible, I know there are some at the end, why not grab one of those uh, and turn to Romans chapter 13? And because I want to look at the verses a bit before as well as uh, afterwards. And waiting isn't always easy. Uh, while you find it. Uh, I was just reminded myself as a child when Advent came and we start counting down on the Advent calendar. I tell you, when I was young, that took forever. It just seemed to go on without end. I don't know what happened now that I'm adult. It seems much quicker now. The beginning of our reading from Romans chapter 13, if you look at it, says, do this understanding the present time. Do this And we have to go back a little bit to verse 8 to see what it is that Paul is urging and encouraging the Christians in Rome and through them us to do. He says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment they may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbour as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbour. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And do this understanding the present time. The Greek is the word kairos, which means this is just the right time. And it's the time that everything's been aiming up to. This is the moment. The moment where everything comes together. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Now some of us might look at that and think, well, surely, hang on a minute, when I became a Christian, aren't we told that uh, that's when we got saved? So why is Paul talking about our salvation being nearer when surely we already have it? And we have to understand that in the Bible uh, and in the, in the Gospels, salvation is something that is dynamic. There is a beginning, the moment where you receive the gift of salvation from God. And once that has happened, we have what's called the assurance of faith. We don't need to worry anymore about whether we haven't been forgiven or whether we won't be good enough for God. All that stuff goes out the window. We can live our lives as a child of God in total confidence. Just as when a family is working properly, a child knows with every fibre of its being that this is where they belong. And how we ought to feel in God's kingdom and God's church. We should know with every fibre of our being, even though sometimes it might be a bit difficult because people are difficult, that nevertheless this is where we belong. So there is that assurance that comes through the gift of God. The moment we believed and said, I'm sorry, Lord, that is the moment that he said, my child, you belong to me and nothing in all creation can separate me from that love. But our experience is a bit more complicated than that because we know that from the moment that we gave our lives to Christ, life is not always easy or simple. And sometimes we get things wrong and sometimes other people do things that go wrong for us. And it can damage us and hurt us. And things don't seem to be fitting into the way that we know and feel instinctively they ought to be. And it is incredibly difficult. And you see, what the Bible describes is this process of working out our salvation. That in the midst of this messy world, in the midst of our messy lives, we have this trust that God's Spirit in us, regardless of what's going on around us, 
is working things together for good. And that wherever we may feel at the moment, however good or bad it is, God can work those things together for good. And then there is the third level, which Paul is talking about here, of the salvation which is yet to come, the future salvation. Where God says, and and Jesus said, that he will return and inaugurate the fullness of his kingdom. At the moment, we just have a glimpse of God's kingdom. We see a possibility of what might be. And that Isaiah passage uh, uh, gives a kind of uh, an amazing picture of how God would love the world to be. Where people live in peace, where all the barriers are taken down, where swords and nuclear weapons are turned into plowshares. Where we live in harmony with each other and with our creation. Yet we know that in our real experience that has not yet happened and in many ways seems further ahead and further away than ever. But Paul is saying God will come and his kingdom is coming and it's closer now than it was when you first believed. So live with that goal in sight. If we are looking to a kingdom of justice and joy and forgiveness and peace, then let's live as if we were already there, modelling those values, modelling those ways. I want to give you just an illustration of of, of how it works, a very simple one that that will be very familiar, and uh, it's kind of like a pep talk for those who are going to India next year, or their leaders, except most of the young people have gone out and they're not going. But uh, you see, what's happened is, uh, all of those young people who are going to India have received a gift. It's a very precious gift. It's the gift of permission. Somewhere a parent said, you may go. Despite the fact that I'm going to worry about you and all that kind of stuff that's there. You may go. So they've had the permission, the gift. It can't be taken away from them. Except with parents we can if you don't behave properly. But that's a different story. With God it doesn't happen like that. And there is in August or July next year a date which is set Not quite in stone, but set when those young people are going to get on that plane. And they know that. And they're waiting for that day to come. But that means that now they're going to make all kinds of steps to make sure that when they get to that point, they are ready for it. And so they're going to be, some of them will be getting jobs that they've never had. They'll be washing cars. They'll be packing things in supermarkets. They'll be doing sponsorships. They'll be meeting together and thinking about what they're going to do and what it's like. They'll be building a team. They'll be getting themselves into that place where they can go together with joy and harmony. And no doubt there'll be tears on the way. There'll be disappointments. There'll be hopes. There'll be ch- But eventually they're going to get there. But do you see the point? They've had the permission, they've had the gift. They're in the, mo- in the process of going through it, but they're doing it with the end in sight. And Paul is encouraging us and urging the Christians in this place to live our lives with the goal, with the end in sight. So that when we come together before God, he's going to look at us and affirm the way we have sought to be faithful to the vision that he set before us. The side that I don't like very much, and I'm sure you probably don't like much, is the side that Bishop Mike reminded the church wardens about yesterday. Uh, Andy's sitting at the back there. Andy, this is you. He said one of the things that uh, God comes, because God does say that there is going to be judgment on the world. 
I used to get very stressed about that and very frightened about it, but actually I'm quite pleased that there's going to be judgment because otherwise all the evil that I see is not going to be dealt with. And I don't want the evil and the suffering and the anger and the pain to carry on. I want them to be judged. I want truth and life to emerge and to be seen. But if I want that judgment and I want truth to come, then I have to accept it's going to be applied to me as well. And that there will be a time where God says, you're my child and I love you. Now I gave you lots of gifts. How did you use them? How did you use them in the light of where you were going? We sang that lovely song, Let it be Jesus, in the morning and in the evening, above all. And I think that's something of what Paul is calling us to do. And the deepest expression of it, he says, is in that debt to love. And in that debt to love, it doesn't mean that you have a debt to love that you can ever repay. Every other debt should be paid and can be paid, but the debt for love is never complete. Because love just simply doesn't come to an end. There is never a point where you can say to your wife or to your child, I have now fulfilled my debt to you to love you, so I can stop now. It doesn't work. Love is something that we are called to live out in all of our lives, throughout all of our lives, and to infuse everything that we do. And interestingly, he goes on there, Paul goes on to mention the commandments in that debt to love. And how those commandments are tied up in the fulfilment of love and the law. Now that doesn't mean that uh, when we have love we stop thinking about right and wrong. It doesn't mean that we don't have to do those things or that they will automatically happen. What it means is uh, that, that actually we are called to love and therefore loving will mean that we live our lives in consistence with those commandments. Now I just want to remind you that in Israel... Uh, and in Hebrew, I was talking with a German pastor about this earlier this week. The commandments weren't understood in the way we understand them and hear them so often as thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that, and thou shalt not do this. They're actually often known as the ten freedoms. Now how can a commandment be a freedom? Well, I want you to just think of, of one of the commandments. It comes in under this uh, channel here as uh, one of the other commandments, which I'm not mentioning here. But we know it as, thou shalt not bear false witness. In other words, thou shalt not lie. Now just think for a moment. If we are to be free to live and to make right decisions, we need to be able to live in a community, in a family, in a society, where we can trust that our doctor won't lie to us, that our policeman won't lie to us, that our families won't lie to us, that our teachers won't lie to us. Heaven forbid even that our politicians won't lie to us. Sorry, I'm not allowed to make those statements. But we need an environment where the people that we love and people are willing to tell the truth and to live in the truth because that creates freedom. And that's immensely challenging for us in a society which has abandoned truth. We live in a post-truth society. That's the word of the year, isn't it, according to the, doc the dictionary. People don't want truth anymore. Truth is as I see it. 
Paul is saying we live our lives in the light of a greater truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We're called, uh, there's an allusion to it in the passage that we just had about clothing ourselves uh, with or putting on the armor of light. And in the armor of light, one of the most important elements is the belt of truth that holds it all together. And we're called to live in freedom. And that means being willing to seek the truth. Not to be frightened of it, but to be open. One of, I think I mentioned it before, so I won't do that, but one of the great things that happened when there's been revival has been a place where people have been willing to open up the truth about their lives, the truth about the, the things that they've done wrong and to confess them, and finally to go forward in truth in their relationships with honesty and integrity and openness and weakness and vulnerability. And we do it because we have the end in sight. Because we know that one day all things will be seen and be revealed. So why not get it over with now? There's no point in living in shame with hidden stuff. We are called to be those who wait actively for God knowing that our salvation is nearer and the night is nearly over and the day is almost here. And it's all got to be earthed in love. So how do we understand things like truth in love? It's never going to be just about accepting everybody for how they want to be accepted. Love goes beyond that. Mike Hill said to the um, church wardens, if you want to know how good you are at something, find somebody who loves you enough to tell you the truth. Because our instinct is always to say to everybody, it's all right. You're fine. You're great. And he told a story of a lady who sang um, a, a song at a, 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 before he was about to go up and speak who couldn't sing a note in tune, but everybody had not been, had the courage to tell her she couldn't sing, so there she was up front leading. And I just want to encourage you, a, a wonderful example of how love can be worked out um, in truth. Uh, because it seems to me to express something about our lives. Richard, could I ask you to switch off the recording, please? Because this shouldn't go. Um, wait for the coming of our Lord. It's a wonderful vision. And when we have that vision, as the song said will be willing to put Jesus before everything else. Father, I know for myself that I struggle so much to put you first in my life. I know that I struggle so much to truly be able to love and to fulfill that law which you have called. And I know that I fall short in so many areas. But Father, do not let me or others ever give up from that hope that you have set before us. From that trust that your spirit working in us can make us, allow us to become the people that you want us to be that we might learn what it is to truly love one another and to live in love. 
that we might learn what it means to clothe ourselves with the whole armour of God. That we may be those who know what it means to put on your goodness and to put off that which is evil and damaging. Help us to be your people and to wait in hope and expectation as we work for your coming. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just to say, I'm not here telling you what to do. Uh, I'm just thinking and and working and trying to find what God is saying and and trying to understand the world in which we live. Uh, And I would encourage you maybe to think about that and to go and look at some of the other armours of God and to think through for yourself. What does it mean if I put these on? What does it mean in my life in different areas? And what does it mean for me if I understand that that is where I'm going to be? to live here and now in my own place. Thank you.